Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Hello, how are you? It's Daryl, and welcome to episode 72 of Cage Rage, a Nicholas Cage podcast. It's the podcast in which I, your humble host and guide, Daryl Edge, take you, the listener, on the journey to true Cage Nirvana, that is the most spiritual, sexual, emotional, heightened form of being possible, achieved only by watching every film the golden hog of Hollywood, the man they call Nicholas Cage, has ever been in. And maybe... Just maybe, along the way, we'll learn a little something about ourselves and the man as well. How have you been? I hope you've had a good week as we are here towards the end of October. Um, What have I been up to? You know, this week, uh, big movies came out, Dune, the big blockbuster of October is here, and I thought it was garbage. Um, Now, I am completely in the minority about that. A lot of people loved it really likes it and you know more power to you if you if you enjoyed it and you like sand and that's your kind of idea of a good time you know uh no disrespect from me but if one more person says that it's the lord of the rings of our generation i'll kill myself um for all those opinions and more i'm also now on letterboxd um letterboxd.com forward slash daryl edge and link in the bio uh but moving on to this week's episode i was joined by writer and comedian alexandra haddo to talk about snowden because what's spookier than politics in this spooky spooky october season uh this one was recorded um last year so there may be one or two little references to lockdowns of past but don't worry about it uh, but this was a delightful conversation. Um, I think you can sort of tell we were trying to skirt around the fact that Nicolas Cage was in the film for all of three minutes. Uh, but despite that, we had a very lovely conversation. So uh, I was giving Alexandra a crash course in Cage history. We talk about Cage's unfair Razzie nomination for uh, Worst Supporting Actor. And we talk about what it is we actually remember about Snowden, a huge story that just kind of disappeared. Uh, So all that and more to come in the episode. Uh, As ever, you can find me on all the usual social medias on Twitter, at Cage underscore podcast, on Instagram, at Cage Rage Pod, again on Letterboxd, letterboxd.com forward slash Daryl Edge. And you can find me on all the usual streaming services if you're listening on one of the platforms like Apple or Podchaser, in which you can leave a rating. Please do, as it helps the show grow. Uh, but with that all said and done, let's get into it. It is episode 72 of Cage Rage. It's the Daryl Edge, joined by Alexandra Haddo to talk Snowden. Dark. So it's the second Cage film of 2016, as things start to get pretty darn real with the biographical thriller Snowden. Now, Cage takes a backseat this week in the role of Frank... Uh, brilliant, got his name wrong immediately. <laughs> <laughs> that's how memorable he was. <laughs> that's how memorable that he was. Now, it, it wasn't Frank, it was Hank Forrester, um, while Joseph Gordon-Levitt rides up front as Edward Snowden, the American whistleblower, remember him, who leaked highly classified information from the National Security Agency in 2013. Now, joining me on the journey to True Cage Nirvana this week to get to the bottom of all these leaks and chat all things Snowden, writer, actor, comedian, Alexandra Haddo. Alexandra, how are you doing? I am, I'm okay, considering we're in one of the lockdowns. I'm trying not to say which one, so it doesn't seem too dated when people are listening to this in sort of 50, 60 years. Um, (laughs) (laughs) When we're in lockdown 406. Um, No, but I'm all right. I'm all right. I am... uh, this this gave me a purpose this week. It was nice to watch something that I had to watch. <laughs> I know it's kind of it's kind of like a, a get out of jail free card for uh for for comedy at the moment. Nicholas Cage, um, he's yes. like pu- pulling us out of perdition, pulling us out of hell, giving us a purpose. Yes, um, exactly. And it makes me so happy. And also, thank you for thinking that people will be listening to this in sixty years. Hey, they definitely will. Nicholas Cage will never die. 
yes, this is what I've been saying for a year now. Um, <laughs> like Death Taxes and Nicolas Cage in the end, one of those two will, <laughs> will get you. Um, but uh, at the start of any of these recordings, I'm always interested to know... Um, the guest's viewpoint, your viewpoint on Nicolas Cage, uh, you know, has he been on your radar? Do you rate him? Where does he stand um, on sort of on the acting scale for you? Um, well, I would say that uh, when I was younger, I did think of him as a sort of, um, you know, well, he, I mean, he is a big name, obviously, but I did think of him as a sort of very serious actor who was quite respected and you know, it was in Face Off, which I know is a completely ridiculous film, but I really enjoyed it when I was a <laughs> teenager. Um, and, uh, you know, and he was in, uh, I mean, Con Air, obviously. The obviously. Big, uh, obviously. Um, and then I think it was from about when he started doing National Treasure, maybe. that, And he sort of became slightly the butt of some jokes <laughs> <laughs> that, that I was like, oh, he's not actually that serious. It's just that his... Uncle is Francis Ford Coppola. Is that right? Is it his uncle? Yeah. The um. Well, there's one. There's big debate. It's like, if, is it pronounced Coppola or Coppola? Um, oh. It's kind of like the Bon Iver or Bon Iver debate. Um, <laughs> if you want to get 2013 hipster on it, um, I think yeah. it's I think it's Coppola. But I've been saying Coppola for so ro- long now, wrongly. We'll perhaps. say we'll say Francis. We'll say Francis Ford. Francis we'll, Ford. We'll say yeah. the bigger, the F dog himself. The F dog, yes. Um, so yeah, I uh, I find it I found it fascinating when I you know when I realised that him and Sophia Coppola or Coppola are cousins because they just seem to be complete opposite ends of the you know the spectrum. She's sort of very kooky, art house, very well respected, amazing films, sort of quiet contemplation and telling you something about life, and then you've got Nicolas Cage sort of. <laughs> harumphing his way through <laughs> barging into every film <laughs> about as subtle as a kick in the balls <laughs> <laughs> and they are not subtle um, <laughs> yeah. I think that kind of comparison works with any actor though you could say like you've got this actor who's like this and then you've got Nicolas Cage and it just yeah. works bless him but I mean I think I don't know much about him I'm usually a hound for celebrity gossip but I don't know if he I don't necessarily think he's a bad guy or anything and maybe he doesn't care maybe he's just like yes on it I'll just do whatever roles come to me um (laughs) I think I think that's part of it though I mean he's quite a private person though so the hot goss it's it's kind of hard to find the hot goss on him right Um, I think it the real life stuff you need to know about him um is one in terms of family life. He is now, um, as of this recording, on his fourth marriage. Okay, good. Um, has, I believe, I think two children. Could be more. One of them, he's a massive comic book fan, so one child he named after Superman. Of um, course. So his son's called Kal-El Cage, um, obviously. No. Um, that sounds like some sort of syndrome, doesn't it? <laughs> <laughs> he's yeah. got Kal-El Cage syndrome. <laughs> Oh no! Have you noticed him scratching? Um, Kal-eld up to his eyeballs. Um, But his son, as far as I'm aware, is just like um, all one of the few times they were pictured together is just like hardcore goth as well. Wow. Um, Which you kind of think, I I guess that makes sense if you look at Cage's kids. Um, Yeah. Why did he change his surname to Cage then? Just just a random stage name. Um, part of it is a stage name. Um, I think, although he hasn't admitted it, maybe part of it's to say, you know, I can do this on my own without sort of the Coppola family name. Right, okay. But also it goes into his, his uh, fandom of comic books. He's a, was a big fan of Luke Cage, uh, the Marvel oh, character. Oh, I see. Um, so he was he in the cage the of his own family name when he wanted to break out. It's very literal. Um, yes. Very literal. <laughs> And this is the thing when you when you start looking into him, so many layers, um, <laughs> which is always exciting. I'm trying to think of the other the other gossips. I say gossips that they're, they're fairly well known. Um, a, a lot of depth. Um, he was in for the 2010s, maybe even a touch now. Um, oh, God love him. A few um, purchasing decisions and a bad accounts manager, basically. So, oh, that seems very on brand for him. It. it basically explains why most of his output especially around this time as well in 2016 was a lot 
and I'm talking a lot of straight to DVD stuff in the um, right in the 2010s. I think just looking at uh, 2016, I think this in Snowden was the only film that he was very very slightly in that actually had like a theatrical release. Oh really? What was his first film in 2016? Uh, that was a film called The Trust, um, which oh, he also co-starred with Elijah Wood. He had a oh. bitchin' moustache in it. Uh, thoroughly recommend it if you're into a strong moustache game. Um, oh, I am. A wonderful. And then you're going to love that film. Okay, um, good. And we get we get some of the peak sort of, um, excuse the pun of his own podcast name, Cage Rage as well, where he's got... yes. Elijah Wood up against the wall going, open it, open it, open it, open it. Um, <laughs> and, you can, and you're going to get no context for that either. No, I feel like it's already spoiled the film, so I, I need not watch it. You've given it all away. <laughs> I've done it again. Uh, and 109 like, other credits that he's got to watch. Um, but uh, part of that sort of debt he was in was because a few years ago he made a big investment in Dinosaur Bones. Um What? Uh, yes, uh, it purchased some dinosaur bones. Um, long story short, they were not available to sell. They still belong to a museum, so we had to give them back. Right. Um, I feel better about buying some dresses in the sale now. You know, we've all made some impulsive purchases. Yes. But then there's Nicolas Cage buying dinosaur bones, impulsive purchases. I know. When you said he invested heavily in dinosaur bones, I was like, maybe that's a cryptocurrency. I don't know. Come on, please be a <laughs> cryptocurrency. No, actual dinosaur bones. He's actually the plot of one of the Jurassic Parks to come. <laughs> <laughs> well, there's that new Jurassic Park coming out where hopefully he will be playing one of the dinosaurs. I, I imagine um, so, yes. <laughs> um, and outside of that, I think the other, the other Crash Course ones is... Um, one which I didn't realise was a truthful thing until a few years ago. He turned on the Christmas lights in Bath in 2009. No. Um, a part of that is that he's a massive fan of England, huge Anglophile, loves sort oh. of the history of it. I think he's got, he's definitely got property in Bath. Uh, I believe he's got property in Glastonbury as well. Part of the reason was that he came over here in pursuit of the Holy Grail, because why not? Um, <laughs> of course he did. I feel like that sounds turning... like the plot of one of his films. <laughs> it's it's such a weird thing because you can say Nicolas Cage and it's essentially insert Family Guy episode plot generator here, <laughs> and then um, and then you just think he's it's because he's one of these people where you can say Nicolas Cage should X Y Z, and then at the end of that you don't even raise an eyebrow. You just think, of course he did that. Yeah, yeah. He's, he's... I like him. He sounds eccentric and a bit weird. He he has got like a quiet eccentricity uh, eccentricism word mm. um, about yeah. him, but like but on the offset of that is he's also from, again from what I've sort of seen and read a very nice guy. Um, oh, good. By all accounts, there was a story that came out. Um, I'm trying to think if it was just before. I think it was last New Year. Uh, again, going back to the property in Glastonbury, he just turned yeah. up in a pub at New Year's Eve and bought the whole pub around because he's a lovely guy. Oh, I'd um, love to do that if I was that famous and rich. Oh, imagine like the, like the altruism. You're just like, <laughs> all right, then you get J2Os all around for my friends. <laughs> yeah, singles, singles. <laughs> yeah, I'm not, I'm not, you know, I'm not got, yeah, come on. I've, I've got, got a limit. Bone, bones to pay off. Um, yeah. <laughs> but I, I kind of think, you know, if you're, what would you? What, what, I mean, what would you do in that situation? You're just there for you know a quiet one. Um, I think maybe like many people on New Year's, you've got a New Year's Day shift ahead yeah. of you or something yeah. like that. You're just there for like, I'll oh, just have a few quiet ones. Call it at night at twelve. You know, let me go home. All of a sudden, Nicholas Cage rocks in. Yeah. Uh, slaps, uh, slaps a Charlie D a ten pound note down on the table, <laughs> and says uh, a couple of a couple of J's for my for my. <laughs> I don't know how he speaks. I'm assuming he's very, very dry for some reason. Yes. Um, but he slaps that tenor down because um, he's good for the cash. And then he says, what do you want? Uh, Cage offers you a drink. What are you buying? What are you drinking? I would say quickly before I decide what drink I have, I'm instantly going to set up a text to my boss saying I'm starting to feel unwell to avoid the New Year's <laughs> Day shift because I know that this night is going to be big. Um, but I think what I would go for is I would ask him for a gin and tonic because that's very English. And then yeah. he's, and I love a gin and tonic, obviously. 
Um, and then he'll feel sort of like, oh, we're getting a real slice of England here. Yeah. Um, yeah, and I just, you know, and then I just fleece him for all his worth because I'm a spineless witch, I guess. <laughs> well, I mean, you've got more integrity and honesty than I have. Um, you said, like, on your side of the coin, Cage, you're getting fleeced by this witch, um, yeah. with all due respect. Yeah. But for me, it's like, I love you. Um, <laughs> so, too. Oh, I'm sure a couple of drinks in, I'd be like, we'd a- I feel like we'd actually get on, like, actually. And then, <laughs> and then he'd be like, okay. <laughs> I know, it's, 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 I've said it before on the podcast, but I think it'd be that kind of a reaction of like, um, how sort of like a teenager would have been when they saw the Beatles at their prime in the 60s. I'd be there with like yeah. half half a pint in, just like on my knees going, I've only ever seen you on the TV. And, oh, no, you're here. You'd um, instantly have to get him to do like a recorder promotion for this podcast. I know. I mean, part of me thinks that um, even though one of the ultimate goals of this podcast, if nothing else, is for um, my Lord and Saviour to notice me. Yes. Um, part of me thinks he would just turn and be like, you need to grow up and get a real job. <laughs> um, Excellent impression. Thank you. Uh, lockdown has been nothing if not productive. <laughs> um, but even if, if even if it was just that, or if he just sort of patted me on the shoulder and just tutted a little bit, like yeah. a disapproving parent. I'd be, Fine. You'd really? be set for life, emotionally. I'm, <laughs> well, until like the next therapy session, and I'm like, yeah. I saw I saw Nicholas Cage, but I think he hates me. Uh, and then when you're running a podcast, you just you just don't have that like that joy de vivre. Um, yeah, never lust. meet your heroes. Let's hope <sighs> this is you know. Let's hope he he listens to this one in 2060. It's the first one that he that he hears. Like I said. Oh man! If even if it gets to 2060 on my deathbed before it all goes black. <laughs> Um, just like oh Nicholas Cage, listen to your podcast. He, like, and I'm just starting to fade out. It's like he thought some of it was all right, but then he thought maybe I could. Then I've, I'm gone. I'm flatlined. I'm done. <laughs> but I'm just like punching my ticket to heaven, kicking down yeah. the pearly gates. I'm and going like, out on a high. I've done it. I've achieved it. I've achieved Nirvana. Yeah, um, I don't want to live past this. <laughs> this is this is like I said. This is lockdown four oh eight at this point. Yes. Yeah. There's gladiatorial arenas where football stadiums used to be. Exactly. Um, we're fighting for crumbs. The cannibals are running wild. Yes. Um, wheelie bins are extinct. <laughs> wheelie bins were the first things to go. Yes. Um, I'm I, I, I starting to think now, if wheelie bins are going to go in 408, what else? Is nothing sacred anymore? Nothing is sacred by 408, apart from Nicolas Cage. Oh, my God. And there will be a golden statue erected to him as well. <laughs> Um, I suppose I'll tell you what else isn't uh, sacred. It's bloody personal information. Oh, look at that link. Oh, it's audio and you can't see I'm raising the roof. You can't even tell. Um, Seamless is what we do. Um, So obviously this week we're looking at Snowden based on uh, the Edward Snowden. Um, Yes. So I suppose going into this film, um, and I know we were sort of discussing the potential of bringing in some conspiracy theories before recording. Yes. Um, did, did you, were you much aware of like um, Snowden sort of before this film and when this all sort of kind of came to fruition in the 2010s? Well, do you know what? I feel like I was sort of um, indoctrinated, which is exactly what they want. Um, because <laughs> I, I do remember, um, and I'm quite, I mean, I'm, I read the news a lot. I'm, you know, overwhelmingly depressed with what I read you know I'm quite like mm-hmm. I'm quite switched on when it comes to current affairs and stuff but I feel like it's sort of I knew who he was and I knew he was a whistleblower and I knew that he had you know leaked documents from the NSA and stuff like that in America um but it was I mean I didn't realize a how recently it kind of all happened yeah um you know and the fact that it was only three years after it all sort of kicked off that they made this film um and but also I feel like I thought he was actually you know a baddie really Edward yeah. Snowden I thought he'd put people's lives in danger and stuff like that so I'd sort of I'd sort of fallen into the narrative that you know the American intelligence services want you to think like this guy's evil he's betrayed his country he's blah 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 and don't get me wrong I'm the least patriotic least sort of nationalistic person ever but that's the sort of general you know the, the story semi passed me by and that I thought like oh shit this guy's you know a spy or anything but I thought in general it was a fairly negative 
thing that he'd done. And then it was only when I watched this that I was like, Jesus Christ. I mean, I know it's, people have said it mixes fact and fiction. Obviously it's about him, how he comes to eventually think I've got to, I've got to basically blow wide open what the US government are doing. Um, essentially spying on everyone all of the time. Um, yeah. <laughs> and uh, yeah, and then I, I, you know, you come away from it kind of being like, I'm not going to look at my phone for an hour, <laughs> like, <laughs> lest they lest they send me a targeted ad on Instagram. Do you know what I mean? Um, it is quite a scary film, actually. I thought, like you know, in a sort of real life in real life terms. Yeah. Um, and I, I do apologise because Nicolas Cage and he plays a very small role, um, who's sort of a you know a disillusioned old professor that invented something for the for the National Security Agency years ago, yeah. and um, he doesn't really. Uh, he's not really on board in his mind um yeah and and so when young young fresh edward snowden comes in who at the time was was very patriotic and was quite blinded by you know serving his country and everything he famously tried to get into the army the, the navy seals i think but he broke both his legs and then he couldn't um so he decided to try and serve them in another way but um it is quite funny because nicholas cage as i say isn't isn't in it that much and he plays a guy called hank forrester who i could have sworn was a real person and so today I was researching I was like why can't I find out who this guy actually was you know I thought maybe he had <laughs> uh, and then, and then I, one one thing I clicked on it was like fictional character I was like oh right I was like he sounds like somebody that was like you know embroiled in a scandal in the 70s US government or something the Hank Forrester scandal do you know what I mean yeah um but uh yeah but it is quite funny because there was I'm sorry to bad mouth the cage but there's quite a corny bit in the end where very very end where Edward Snowden is kind of you know he's on it's showing him on tv screens around the world he's finally come out with it he's done the interview he's released the documents the Guardian are covering it the world's up in arms you know the Americans are baddies who knew um (laughs) And uh, but there is that bit where and it just cuts to Nicolas Cage, you know, as Hank Forrester in his living room and his wife's sort of making tea. And he's just like, he did it. The kid did it. <laughs> <laughs> Such bad acting. <laughs> yeah. um, but it, like, bless him. Um, maybe he was just maybe he was just thrilled to have a, a part in a semi sort of um, not intelligent film. I feel about intelligence, I guess. But um yeah, but I thought it was quite badly received, this film. I was doing my research today. I always hate it when I enjoy a film and then I read that, like, the powers that be are like, oh, no, actually, it wasn't very good. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I kind of, I see that sometimes you, you enjoy a film and then you see critics hated it. And I, I sort of think, am I wrong? Do I just yeah. have no, do I have no taste? Yeah, in, yeah, yeah. Like, am I shit? Am I shit? <laughs> um, which is which is always, always weird, but... Like you say, Cage is um, very much a blink and you'll miss it role. Maybe yes. three minutes of screen time, if, if yeah, because it's a weird thing to have such a big name in for a for a small part. But then when you research the well, I say like when you watch it, obviously. But then when you realise how many names are actually in it, like it said, it was like an ensemble cast because obviously you've got Joseph Gordon-Levitt is Edward Snowden, and I fancied. Joseph Gordon-Levitt a lot but as Edward Snowden he <laughs> he played him evidently very well because I did not fancy him one bit uh in this film but then you've got Reese Ifans as like a CIA or NSA I should say um you know director who's he's called like Brian O'Connell or something I can't remember what his character is actually called but it's a, such a I kept looking at him playing this sort of very American you know uh top of the food chain sort of um agent i guess um and just th- thinking of him back in notting hill and being like oh my god <laughs> like, <laughs> who is this man <laughs> yeah. um yeah there's quite a few like sort of, yeah quite big names in it yeah it's, a, it's like i say reese Siffens, who i think my frame of reference he was in sort of amazing spider-man with andrew garfield obviously done a lot of other things um but when it comes to film podcasts i'm a charlatan and i know nothing uh, this is oh. all Good. This is Neither this is all I. pretense. Um, the the only other frame of reference I have for him is that um, I'm trying to think how long ago it would have been, maybe sort of five, no longer than that, maybe like seven years ago at uni, I worked in like a nightclub, and there was one girl, only ever one, who would come in a few times and very drunkenly says, "You look like that lizard man from Spider Man," and, <laughs> and I knew exactly who she meant. And then the next week, she'd forget Reese she told Evans. me, yeah. 
like I was like I've never had that before. Like I am perpetually a man who has spent the majority of my twenties being told to look like Stephen Merchant by strangers in the street. <laughs> um, so I was like, well, I'll, I'll take it because it's new. But then, every, like for for weeks and weeks, of this stint, you just keep coming back in and saying, "You look like the lizard man," and I'm like, "That's." You can't say that to anyone else because you'll be in a padded room. Um, yes, yeah. And, and if you tell anyone that I am a lizard man, um, my tribe yeah, will exactly. get you. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so that was kind of the only frame of reference I had for him. But it's, yeah, he's um, he's done a lot of very similar roles of being like the kooky Welsh slash English eccentric and stuff. And then in this, he's playing such a slick American, you know upper class man and it's so weird to watch I felt like a I mean obviously he's an actor I hate when people say that because I am I'm always like yeah he's an actor but you know it was weird to see him in such a different role um and obviously Nicolas Cage wears a brown fluffy cardigan in this film so that's something you don't see him in in any other films which is something something different I feel I mean, and don't let it be said that he doesn't push himself um exactly and, (laughs) and, and tackle these roles but I think on on that note as well, of Reece Siffins being one of those people like you have to remind him, like, oh, he is an actor. It's very similar for Nicolas Cage. A lot of people forget that he can act. <laughs> I, f- I, f- I feel like it's my now solemn duty to be like, but he's won awards. He's nominated. He's done good things. Has he? Um, oh, yes, he has. So that, well, there's your other sort of Cage crash course. 1995, the Oscar Award winner for Best Actor for Leaving Las Vegas. Was um, he? And the Golden Globe as well. Um, I've not seen it. I will watch it. It's a pretty, pretty good film. And then, weirdly enough, he does that film. The film afterwards, well, the three films he does after winning the Oscar is uh, The Rock, Connor, and Face Off. Oh, um, God. So maybe he was just like, it, maybe it's like, you know, when a football team wins the league, the league after, the, the yeah, the year after they never do as well. Maybe he was just like, I've got the Oscar now. What was the motivation here? Yes, I'll take all of them, please. <laughs> uh, the answer is yes. Um, <laughs> but then he goes on to do, I think, what some of us dub the uh, the testosterone trilogy. Um, sort of sets himself up as like an action star, and then yeah. he doesn't really follow up with action. Then he does City of Angels <laughs> after Face Off, where he plays an angel has fallen to earth. Um, basically, the story of that he thinks that Meg Ryan is seen him and you can't see angels unless you allow someone to see you it then oh. gets a bit weird and just peeps at her for about two hours <laughs> until he becomes a human um they raw dog and his um, <laughs> his genuine experience of them sort of you know in that very romantic way it's in front of like the, the log fire um on a she's carpet. essentially the virgin mary right okay <laughs> in in many us in many ways yes um <laughs> And then they sort of do it on the carpet. And then she's like, oh, how's that? And his genuine quote is, oh, warm. And oh, then, God. And then, <laughs> and then I think you're an award-winning actor, Nicolas Cage. And I bought every second of it. Um, the people but, on the board at the, at the Academy are just like, what have we done? <laughs> we've given this man too much power. Um, just like Steven Seagal. Um, <laughs> And then he was nominated for the um, all the, all the three main awards: uh, BAFTA, Golden Globes, uh, yeah. Oscars in two thousand and two for adaptation, um, which many would regard as one of, if not Nicolas Cage's best work. Um, What's that about? I don't even know that one. So, directed by Spike Jones, uh, written by Charlie Kaufman. Um, it's it's kind of like a film within a film. Um, so Charlie oh. Kaufman in real life was trying to adapt a book called The Orchard Thief. Um, couldn't do it, so he basically writ himself into the story, writ himself a fictitious twin, and Nicolas right. Cage plays uh, Charlie Kaufman and his twin Donald Kaufman. We get double the cage. Double um, cage. And that's what he got the awards for, because they thought, do you know what? One wasn't enough. Two is worthy of an award. Well, exactly. Um, it's kind of interesting as well because in real life, Donald Kaufman doesn't exist. He's just fictitious. But Cage was nominated as Charlie and Donald. So I think Donald is the only fictional character to ever be nominated for like a mainstream award or something. Oh, really? Um, and it's currently on Netflix as of this, rec- well, as of recording today. And it's one that I would thoroughly recommend when you're starting to waver on that Cage train and you're starting to lose faith. <laughs> adaptation yourself and you're like 
Yes, he's still got it. He's still got it. I knew he had it. Oh, okay. Fine. Um, good. That's a good tip. So top tier caging. Um, and then if you just want to, uh, the opposite end of that spectrum, when you remind yourself that, you know, he is a good actor, but he's still pushing himself and doing stuff. Even yeah. this day and age, he's still doing a lot more, a lot more indie stuff, a lot more experimental stuff. Um, in 2018, he did Mandy, which is like this um, really, I think it's described as a cosmic horror. Oh, um, okay. So it's very, it, it, this is another weird one to describe, um, which is difficult to kind of sell the film. But basically, the shortest version of it is um, he lives this idyllic life out in the woods with his girlfriend. He's like a um, like a lumberjack, and then one day this cult sees his partner, the leader of the cult's like, "Yeah, lads, I'm gonna have a bit of that." They kidnap her um, because right. she's not into it. They kill her as Nicolas Cage, bound by barbed wire, has to watch them set her on fire. And oh, then he goes, on a, he goes on a mission, a warpath to get vengeance. Um, now, it sounds like fucking trash, but I promise you, um, <laughs> it's it's part of what some of us in, and this sounds really weird and culty, um, the, the cage bubble of the film verse, yeah. coining part of like the cage reconnaissance, he's, uh, this big comeback that he's got. Um, he had History of Swear Words on Netflix. He's got a film coming out in February called Willy's Wonderland, where he plays a character called the janitor. He's in um, basically this circus kind of arcadey place and all the animatronic creatures come to life and kill people and he fucks them right up. Um, so wow. If if that's not lighting a fire, a cage fire, then no, I, 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 I Yeah, I think he's good on him. <laughs> and, his, and his action phase was perhaps only part of his wonderful, illustrious career. And he, he too too often gets unfairly sort of tarnished with that brush. <laughs> well, definitely. He's, this is what I think mean. I call him like a phase actor because I mean, like after leaving Las Vegas where he was more of a dramatic actor at that point and he was known for more artsy drama films, he does action. Um, and then he does City of Angels and then he had a period where he was doing more fantasy kind of films and now he's into horror. Um He's still it's like forty years and you don't know what's coming. It's um it's Yeah, and also fascinating. It is bad that there is sort of a certain snobbery around action films as well, I think. Yeah. Because, you know, they're enjoyable and really that's the you know, the snobbery of like the Oscars and stuff is you're always gonna get the awards going to, you know, real life stories and overcoming trauma and everything. When actually I mean, don't get me wrong, I'm not saying some action films are worthy of an Oscar or whatever, but like you know, that that snobbery of you know it has to have sort of an intellectual angle or whatever. No, it can just be a brilliant plot, loads of loads going on. And mm. I mean, you're going to talk about Face Off more than you're ever going to talk about you know whoever won the Oscar in like 1993 for some film that was brilliant at the time. But do you know what I mean? Like yeah. it's always going to stick in your mind more. Um, take his face off. You know what I mean? It's, <laughs> you don't you don't forget that because it's so bloody weird. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, and if Nicolas Cage, I've said it before, like if Nicolas Cage wants my bones, if he wants my face, he yes. can have it. Yes, um, you've you've made that clear. I've made it clear. I'll die for the man publicly um, <laughs> and repeatedly. I'm ill. Yeah. <laughs> um, but actually, speaking of awards, I think it's always interesting to see how films did. Um, for this film, um, it won some of those. Uh, various different none of the big awards there were some nominations here and there yeah unfortunately Nicolas Cage was nominated for an award in this at the 2017 Razzies um, he was oh. nominated for worst supporting actor um, really which I think is weird because one I mean I suppose one if you can pick up a nomination after three minutes of screen time yeah compared I mean, to that's people pretty in full, yeah you can you, know. t- you can spin that into a positive I think um, I think you're doing something right that people are talking about you. Yes. Um, but he, and this being said, obviously he's in the film very, very small part. Um, he's like a CIA trainer. Uh, Snowden meets him like his first day at the CIA. Yeah. After breaking his legs. And Snowden, he speaks of this kind of, it's almost that voice that um, 
you know, when they're when they're talking to like people in the crime and the the are like they're all like blacked out on screen and they and yeah. the voice modulator. He sounds like that, but as a person. <laughs> yeah, he does. It's like Oh, is that a supercomputer? And then Kate's <laughs> like, Oh yeah, it is a supercomputer and he's just fucking rubbing it with this cloth. Um, and like, didn't he? Doesn't he say that he invented something and they, you know, they used it for evil, basically, or, or he invented a computer? His character invented a computer, you know, twenty years yeah. ago, or whatever. Yeah, the, the, there was something that he said he created a program or something yeah. for three million dollars. Um, it was like this bitching program, but then the CIA didn't use it. They replaced it with a four billion dollar program that was inferior, just because it kept the military happy. That's it, yeah. Keep the coffers open in in Congress and keep the contracts coming, basically. Basically, um, one of those one of those little nubbins. He got dicked over. Um, He was sort of top of his class, like Snowden was. Yeah. Um, Says he complained, got nowhere, and then ended up teaching, which I feel like could happen to any of us. Could happen, Um, could. But there is quite (laughs) there is quite a sinister moment where um, because then Snowden invents a um, a program that uh, it's supposed to be designed for good, I think. And I can't remember what it's called now. Um, there was two. Um, yeah. The one at the end he invents is called Heartbeat. And then the other one... Yeah, this the other one I'm thinking of, I think. Oh, is it something Hill? Um, yeah, it's like it's like something rural, I feel like. It's like Eden Hill. Or so. It's not that, but... Um, but he invents this programme and then years later he goes back to work for the CIA in um in hawaii and of all all places and he's and you kind of see what you know what the u.s was doing i mean as much as everyone loves obama you know people were saying he he dropped he there was drone strikes every three minutes of his eight-year presidency and it's kind of showing you how they you know the technology they used the intense spying they would they would just drop the drone on to try and just destroy like a phone on a person or extremely yeah. specific targets but it was all the time um and then this and he was like how are you doing this what program is this and then they repeat the name of his own program back to him you know years later and you and yeah. it was it was quite chilling watching that because that i think that's the point where he's like oh my god like, i can't be a part of this anymore yeah i think um i just found epic shelter is the is the program yes that it, that it was called um so they basically repurposed it to give them real-time data for the drone strikes as we were yeah. saying yeah um against sort of terror suspects but then he's kind of questioning it and he's like well how how do we know that they're bad guys and then um he's he's fellow i don't know what what was it are they are they consultants because i know he goes for a few different jobs yeah i don't know fellow uh, geek <laughs> that bloody nerd um, yeah the lee stanfield he, yes he who i up. love yeah uh, love seeing like Lakeith like uh, turn up in uh, films. I've, I've just watched not too long ago. Um, I'm sorry to bother you. Oh, I love that film. Um, s- such a good film. And then suddenly, horse people. Um, yeah, absolutely. Because is... I went to the cinema with no idea of what that film was going to be. It was one of those perfect times, last minute. Let's yeah. just go and watch this. And I just came out and I was like, that was fantastic. Because <laughs> <laughs> it was I completely mean... batshit. <laughs> Oh, it was like so surreal. And then um, I've never done call, cold calling, but I have worked in like a, a call center for like yeah, uh, yeah. an energy company and banks before. And it is soul destroying stuff. And yeah, when they're sort of listening to you and I guess like the US government has been listening into me. Well, like, oh, of course. You know, yeah. Was I was I ever really free? Um, and Of I course, think, like, the answer is no. <laughs> no, there is no such thing as freedom. Um, we're all in that like Simpsons dome, like in the like in the Simpsons film. Yeah, we're all, all being watched. But like I say, he's he's seen those like those families get sort of uh, taken out. Um, and as I was saying, I said there's no real way other than field operatives to know who the bad guys are and should be. Mm. Um, so you just gotta take it on good faith. And then just watch like a uh, this huge like mushroom cloud of dust just appear. Yeah. And you've got to think like that, you know, like Snowden, um, that's got to change someone because I don't, not not that I don't know why in any circumstance I'd be working for the NSA or CIA. Um, <laughs> and if I was, I wouldn't tell you. Exactly. Um, but that's going to change someone. So it's. Um, yeah, it's, it's crazy as well because he is. It's quite good. What I liked that the film did was it did show you how he 
transformed, you know, from this sort of quite geeky patriot, everything at the expense of his, uh, uh, you know, everything for his country, etc., to becoming, you know, sort of the biggest public traitor to his country in their eyes, you know, in yeah. the last 20, 30 years, probably. Yeah, I mean, it's one of those films where, you, you know, you kind of watch it and like, I think like you said earlier, it kind of made me just want to sort of just turn the camera on my phone over. I'm taking yeah. notes on the laptop. I just wanted yeah. to kind of shut the screen. There's a there's a very spooky bit in it, which I don't know how true this is, but I, you know, um, where, you know, they're trying to look somebody up, um, Snowden, when he's just started in, uh, is, it, is it when he's still in the States, I think, quite early on. And they're saying, oh, this... Um, this person's cousin or whatever, she might be a way in to try and find out what's going on with him. Or should we check on her? And then he just sort of turns her webcam on. Do you know what I mean? And we can yeah. see her like getting changed in her room or whatever. And again, I don't know how accurate that is, but he's sort of horrified by that. And I was like watching it with my housemates and I was like, oh my God, <laughs> this is horrible. <laughs> yeah, it, it it makes you feel uncomfortable because he's i think this is when he says he wants to get like a real taste of like field work um timothy oliphant um who's always just seems like really nice yes like a nice guy in everything he does. he does he's like well if you if you can get into in with one of these bankers um and then it's that scene that you know uh this facebook profile would lead to this one and that leads to four more that leads to eight more yeah. and then suddenly you've, you're keeping tabs on 2.5 million people yeah exactly and it kind of makes me think like oh how many 2.5 million people have i been linked to in in crimes yeah, yeah. um just by association but um it's like i say, it just makes me feel weird because then i you know i, I sort of think back to what have the CIA and this webcam seen? What horrible things have they seen horrible of me? Horrible things, yeah. Because um, I'll be honest, look, I'm I'm a fallible human being, and I've spent time in front of a laptop. I'll say no more. <laughs> but what have they? What have they seen? Um, now I just feel nervous. And yeah, um, I think we'll all which, be putting a plaster over our webcams after after watching this film. Yeah, it, it's well, I mean, I think I will be, and it made me think there was like an like a photo that ended up on the internet of a while ago, which um, uh, like Zuckerberg, he had like um, a bit of tape over his webcam or something. And people yeah. were like, what does Zuckerberg know? Yeah. We don't, which I suppose it's probably a lot when you've obviously known about Facebook, it started as basically a way to just rate women. And then it yeah. became like, yeah. <laughs> now we're just liking things. Um it's so weird someone was saying like he just set that up to rape women and now he's answering questions in the US Congress. <laughs> like, what the hell? It's um that's kind of the epitome of like the how it started versus how it ended. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> kind of thing. Um but when you are a robot man, um this is what happens. Well, exactly, yeah. Um so I you know, it kind of makes me want to throw away all my electronic devices, but then I realise I've still got a few episodes and films to get through for Cage. Yeah, and also, if they spy on me, fine. (laughs) You're like incensed after watching this film, and then after a day, you're like, I would quite like to just have a little look on Instagram now. (laughs) Yeah, it's like, you know, what else are we doing in lockdown? Like, let me have a little scroll. Just like a five-minute window. Yeah. It's, it is one of those um, films as well where you, you end up researching it, you know, the, what really happened for like two hours afterwards. You'll end up down a rabbit hole. Uh, yeah, for sure. fully. Because he, in real life, like Edward Snowden, he was trying to get to Cuba. So he was in Hong Kong when everything sort of came out. And then the US revoked his passport whilst he was midair to Russia on his connecting flight to Cuba. And now he still lives in Russia. Yeah, that's, um, it's like, you know, the US... Can act pretty fast on that. Um, yeah. I mean, passports, obviously, if you're in the UK like we are, passports don't mean anything anymore because nope. we will never leave here again. Gone. Um, but see, you, you got a permanent residence in Russia as of October 2020. Yeah. As of November 2020, um, him and Lindsay, now married, announced they're applying for dual US-Russian citizenship <gasps> in, or, in order to, as they said, not be separated in this era of pandemics and closed borders. Um, so jokes on you, the US. He got real happy in Russia. Yeah, he so. loves the bitter, bitter winters and the <laughs> Russian disdain for Americanism. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
Well, I think I would as well if um um I don't even know if I say couldn't well we've betrayed each other in a weird way. It's kind yes. of like, it's uh the the least affable but yet worst relationship breakup um that you've ever seen. Um Yeah. But it's I, th- I think like you were sort of saying earlier though when we were talking when you were talking about Snowden, it's kind of like this was obviously massive news. Um and then in the film when the story's breaking and then bloody Piers Morgan's face turns up and I'm like, who's oh, that yeah. fucking what's that ham sandwich doing? Exactly, yeah. <laughs> we just have one. Space. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, in, exactly. In my safe space. Um obviously I remember it being big news, but then it's kind of like looking at it now with like twenty twenty one eyes, it's like, did anything really happen? Yeah. Uh, I just don't feel like this? there was it there wasn't anything. And like at the end of the film they sort of said oh, you know, mass data collection from the NSA is now illegal or whatever. But you, even watching that, you kind of think, he hasn't really, there's nothing, nothing really, I don't think, that's changed. No, well, I was trying to think of anything. And then and then we get some of like the news footage in this when Obama's saying like, oh, people who present information will take their side when he's on the campaign trail. And then he's in office and then speaking on Snowden mm. and then basically sort of changed his tune and um, saying that... Uh, you know, we're going to sort of try to seek him down and then find him and then they're slapping him with this... Um, yeah, yeah. Uh, I think, what was it, like the t- an espionage act, like a breach of espionage act and um, yeah. stealing US information. Yeah. Um, so basically he was, he said he would go back to the States if it would be a fair public trial. He would go back and face the music, but he was like, as long as they're charging me under the espionage act, that it can't be a public trial. So that's kind yeah. of, and like, you know, when you see, when you hear, oh, mass data collection is now illegal, you kind of think, well, they show a scene in Snowden where, um, you know, the head of the NSA was being questioned in Congress and flatly denied yeah. that they that they were spying on people, you know, innocent people. And, you know, you see Edward Snowden in the film and his colleagues sort of looking at each other like, wow, we're just, we're flat out denying this. So you kind of feel like, well, they're doing whatever <laughs> the fuck they want, like behind closed yeah. doors. <laughs> yeah, definitely. And it again like i think with the situation we find ourselves in now it was one of those things like um i'm kind of thinking well politically you know what what do they still know behind closed doors and this information that yeah we get? i guess i'm looking at the pandemic and they say that we have these figures but then i think like well, what are the real figures and as, as boris been pe- peeping on me um yes what does he i imagine want he has me? yes um he wants anyway. to appear on cage rage that's what he wants I mean, if listen here, Johnson, if you've got the stones <laughs> to go one on one with me and talk about and talk about the golden boy, the golden hog of Hollywood, Nicholas yes. Cage, um, you the know, prize pig of Hollywood, <laughs> he, he is he is my 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 beautiful bronze baby, um, <laughs> and I want to buy shares in a human. Is that slavery? <laughs> Have I just said I want slavery back? I don't want slavery no, back. No, don't cancel me. Don't go. Don't pull. Do that as the pull quote from this episode. No, you just want to. You just want to see him flourish. Yes, that's exactly what I meant. Um, you should have a job in PR because <laughs> <laughs> I am floundering. Um, but the but the the crux of that was I don't like the Tories. Um, <laughs> so, um, yeah. So Johnson, I'll. I'll I'll end you, mate. You're finished. One v one me on uh, Call of Duty on Rust. Yes. Um. It only it only took like sixty odd episodes, and now I've called out the PM. Um, Good. So someone had to do it. Yeah, exactly. S- someone in the Cage Podcast scene had to do it eventually, <laughs> and it was going to be the bad boy of the Cage Podcast scene, obviously. Do you know? I um, said to um, I said to my friend Jamie, who has also or will also be on this podcast, um, who's a who's a film buff, and I said um. Oh, you know, Nicolas Cage isn't actually in this too much. And he said, Well, why don't you talk about how you think the film would have gone if Cage had played Edward Snowden? <laughs> well, 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 the ghost of Jamie Arlerton coming back on the <laughs> podcast. Um I was like, Yes, I think it may have been a slightly different atmosphere. Um, well that being said, um he definitely did not tell me to tell you that Snowden is Dr. Deep Throat, if that means something. Um <laughs> If if uh, you said he'd give me ten pounds if I made you believe that. Fine. That's fine. He um, he did also say to me, Oh, by the way, you know it's about the ma- the man, not the mountain. 
So I was like, yes, thank you. I'm aware that Snowden. <laughs> well, uh, you know, I don't know what version of the film he watched, but I saw a mountain hacking in well, this one. Exactly. Um, so jokes on you, Jamie. Yeah. Um, I'm just imagining, you know, close-ups of Cage just being like, "We gotta get these people their privacy." <laughs> <laughs> have you uh, have you heard of a VPN? Um, <laughs> that's a good question, though. I think I think one I should ruminate on more in how films could be improved if uh, the 1995 Best Actor yes. Nicholas Cage was in it. And I always, I always have to bring it up when I bring up the awards. In like he didn't get the award in two thousand and two. So collectively, to the three people who robbed him, fuck you, Daniel Day Lewis, uh, <laughs> fuck you, Adrian Brody, and fuck you, Jack Nicholson. You're all scum. Famously, um, all shit actors as well. <laughs> famously, all chotes. Um, Nicholas Cage could have done any of your roles. You know what? You three, bring Boris with you. I'll nut the lot of you. Yeah. Um, I got a little impassioned there. I do apologise. Who actually um, did win that year? Um, between the three of them in 2002, Daniel Day Lewis won the BAFTA. I think Adrian Brody took the Oscar, and I think it was Nicholson that got the Golden Globe. Oh, one um, each. What were they each. for? As good as it gets. Um, Adrian Brody was the pianist. Yes, that would have been um, it. Daniel Day Lewis was Gangs of New York. Oh, and Jack Nicholson was was it about Schmidt? Was that what the film was called? Oh, right. I think I think that's what it was. Um, Cage was robbed. Cage was robbed. Uh, but like I said earlier, hey, he got nominated for the Razzie. Didn't win it though. Um, I can reveal that award went to Jesse Eisenberg for Batman versus Superman: Dawn of Justice. Um, it says something that that film sounded so shit that I was like, no, I'm not even going to watch it. I, well, I mean that that film though, Batman vs Superman, did pick up a lot of Razzie noms and wins that year. Um, oh wait, actually, was that for? Yes, no, I have seen that. That was just uh, Batman vs Superman, right? Yeah, um, but the full that, title. But the full title. Um, yes, because... I have seen that, and it was horrific. It wasn't great. It's just basically two two big boys with mommy issues having a little sulk. Um, yeah, because I, I feel like they really had to work hard on like why the two goodies would hate each other. Yeah, I mean, if they just kissed earlier on, then like, all of this yes, would have I believe would have so. just gone away. Um, although Ben Affleck and Henry Cavill did win worst screen combo uh, <laughs> at the twenty seventeen Razzies. Some of these awards are just great, though. I mean, um, the other nominees for Worst Screen Combo were um, Johnny Depp for Alice Through the Looking Glass. His full nomination was Johnny Depp and his vomitously vibrant costume. Right. Um, there was Gods of Egypt. They were nominated for any two Egyptian gods or mortals. Um, <laughs> don't even know what You don't even have to know when the Razzies are concerned. Fine. Um Tyler Perry nominated for Boo, a Medea Halloween. It was Tyler Perry and that same old worn-out wig. Uh, there was also Collateral Beauty, worst screen combo. The name of that nomination was the entire cast of once-respected actors. Wow. Um, they so don't the Razzies, all back, do they? The Razzies does not pull any punches. Um, yeah. So I think Nicolas Cage, like I said, kind of unfairly nominated, but... He was also against Jared Leto for um, the Joker in it might have been Suicide Squad, I think, and Owen Wilson and Will Ferrell were both nominated for Zoolander Two. Oh yeah, so, I mean the thing is, if you don't win a Razzie or if you do, I guess it's sort of a victory both ways. Yeah, it's well, I was kind of looking into this more as well because the Razzies, um, as as weird an award as they are, they also have like a redemption award. Which is weird. Oh, um, really? It's basically someone who's been uh, nominated or won a Razzie, um, but then they go on to do something really good. Then they get like, well, it's, like it's effectively a redemption Razzie. I think there was one in 2014 that Ben Affleck had previously won a Razzie, but then because he directed Argo oh, and Argo, Gone yeah. Girl, um, right. he got a big comeback. Uh, Eddie Murphy was another one I think in 16 or 15 could have been 18 actually because they took 2017 off as basically their excuse was to give actors a chance to get better (laughs) Um, 
he'd been he'd won an award at the Razzies for like the worst actor of like the past thirty years or decade or something. What Eddie Murphy? Yeah, he got razzied for that, but then he did My Name Is Dolomite, and he got the redemption for oh. that as well. Um, God, it's so... a big it's a big incentive. Maybe Cage will get um will get the redemption award up when it, in a couple of years after his indie phase. Maybe. I mean, you know, I mean, also you take the consideration that Nicolas Cage has never made a bad film, obviously. You yeah, of know course. this. Um, and then just give him more awards because that's what he deserves because he's 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 the golden boy. He's the big boy. Exactly. Um, he should have had a bigger part in Snowden. He should have been the been star. Snowden. Yes. Yeah, exactly. I mean... That's what we've learned. <laughs> that's what I'm taking away from this. I mean, literally, I was watching this film last night. At like, I started at eight. It was a two-hour film. I will say I think the film didn't really need to be two hours. Yeah. I don't think it was terrible. But when Nicolas Cage got that bit right at the end and he's like, that's my boy, I actually went, yay. He's <laughs> <laughs> I said that out loud. When you I was thought like, he was gone. But oh, in fact, and, he, and he gets you. He'd been watching it unfold the whole time. Exactly. It's like, it's like we were Nicolas Cage watching events unfold. And yes. subconsciously giving you the gift of the Rubik's Cube. Yes. You're essentially, yeah, the, the audience themselves are Cage. <laughs> I think that's the best way to watch Cage films is when you put yourself in his shoes. <laughs> which is which is half of what this podcast is and also why um, I'm very sick. Um, but like I said, I thought Cage was fine. I didn't think he was Razzie-worthy. I will say... Um, even though I liked the film, didn't love it. I no. thought Joseph Gordon-Levitt was decent. I thought he was quite good. Yeah, I thought he was very good. I thought he was, um, you know, it's quite a boring role, really, in terms of the person of Edward Snowden. You know, he's extremely robotic and wooden and, I mean, God knows how he gets a girlfriend. He's He doesn't seem to have anything about him or any sense of fun. But, um, yeah. but I thought, yeah, Joseph Gordon-Levitt played it really well because you did sort of forget at points that it was him. You're like, oh, yeah. yeah, he's playing a kind of very nerdy, very strange guy. And, um, yeah, I thought, I thought it was pretty good. I thought it was, like you say, I thought it was quite a good film. didn't think it was amazing, but it, it definitely made you think about things. It was a good jumping off point for a lot more research. <laughs> yes, definitely. Um, well, that, I mean, I think that seems to be the critical consensus that a lot of people praised older JGL old Gordon Levitt. Um, yeah. I mean, he was in 500 Days of Summer and that gets like a complete pass from me no matter what he does now. Yeah, fine. Um, he's allowed. He's allowed to do what he wants just yeah. like Nicolas Cage. It's basically the two of them together. They are the human forms of free-form jazz. You never yeah. know what's going to happen. <laughs> um, but apparently, like, Edward Snowden's parents went to a screening of the film and they said um, that Joseph Gordon-Levitt's performance was really good. They enjoyed the portrayal oh. of their son. And Gordon Levitt said it was the most meaningful encouragement he's ever received for a performance. Wow. But his own parents were like, great. <laughs> <laughs> like, that's my boy up there. Um, I guess that's, you know, if you get the parents' approval and you got like, you got our treacherous son down to a T. Yes. Thank you, Joseph, <laughs> Joseph Gordon Levitt. Um, on the flip side of that, though, obviously with Oliver Stone directing. Um, this is the second time that him and Cage have worked together. Um, they um, worked together on Oliver Stone's 2006 World Trade Center. Ah, uh, of um, course. So apparently Cage only took the role in this as a favor to, um, to oh. Oliver Stone. Um, and his character, Hank Forrester, um, was partly inspired by fellow NSA whistleblower William Binney, um, who is said to appear briefly in the news footage of this film. Not that you would know, because oh. who, who cares about the other whistleblowers? Yeah, we, don't, we um, only want the main one, the star. Yeah, the the only other blower that's of any importance in my life is the Captain Hornblower. Yes, Horatio of course. Hornblower. God, he was um, fit as well. <laughs> what a guy. What a guy. He was a man of duty and to his country, kind of like Snowden. Um, so what I'm saying, what am I saying? I'm saying that Snowden was the... 21st horn. century hornblower. Yes. Um, and all he needed was a ship. Nailed it. <laughs> um, I'm not going to dab because I'm 29 years old. Same age as Snowden. And I've, he, he said, like, Snowden was 29 years old. Yeah. He was cracking codes. He was, like, doing all this and that. And I think, 
I'm on like my tenth retail job. Oh God, <laughs> why haven't I whistle blown yet? Hey, you can whistle blow about the shop you work in and their practices. And I will. <laughs> um, last episode of the podcast. It's yeah. all coming out. Burn um, it all. <laughs> burn it to the ground. Remembering yeah. at that point you'd be locked down two five nine. Yes, I um, believe so. So Locky two five nine. Oh, <laughs> you're finished. Um, that job that I work for, but cannot name um, yet. Um, but uh, like I said, with Oliver Stone, he seems to be given like a lot of these bigger films with the big events. But he, one of the criticisms of him is that he tends, even though he's kind of like a paranoid guy and buys into conspiracy theories, if you yeah. look into Oliver Stone, yeah. he tends to play a lot of these films quite safe. Um, That's what a lot of the criticism was as well, wasn't it? Only played this film quite safe. But I don't really know what they mean by that because they, you know, he was kind of showing what happened, really. Um, But yeah, he's an interesting guy. And also, by the way, when I first kept reading directed by Oliver Stone, Oliver Stone, blah, 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 I kept thinking Oliver Reed in my head. And I was like, (laughs) I'm sure that's the old dead drunk guy. Like. Uh, you thought he was dead, but no, no. He no, was, he's uh, directing pseudo-political films with stars of Third Rock from the Sun. <laughs> <laughs> I forgot Joseph Gordon-Levitt was in that. Yes, he was excellent. I think I remember seeing, just like watching that as a child when it was on like BBC Two. And I was like, I will never forget your squinty eyes. Yes. Um, and to this day, I have not. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I, was like, I thought... Uh, yeah, I think it's like with World Trade Center, which I've not, uh, not too long since I've watched that, sort of as of this recording as well. These big events, he does tend to, um, again, it's what you kind of mean by play it safe, but um, it kind of just tells events. And then it, I think his films kind of hit one level. Right. Because maybe he's trying to stop himself from going into conspiracy theories because he's a weirdo. Yes, he's trying to um, not make it too personal. Yeah. His, own, view, his own views. I think so, but um, it, it, I can't. I can't help but feel like he was a little nervous because I think reading to this, he met Snowden three times in Moscow to try and, I guess, pitch each other the film almost because yeah. Snowden was kind of weird about it. But then he got on board with it, um, and they said that Oliver Stone wrote the script on a single computer with no internet connection to ensure the screenplay wasn't hacked or leaked. And I'm thinking, nervous much? <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> Um, yeah, that's definitely got vibes of like pub man, you know, the guy in the pub that just tells you like, oh, it's 5G, you know. <laughs> <laughs> Wait until they tell you about 6G. Yeah. Um, I was like, what do you know that I don't drunk yeah. old wise man? Exactly. Uh, um, <laughs> tell me everything. But also weirdly, um, so Oliver Stone's mother actually unfortunately passed away during the making of this film. But they, but um, if he'd taken the necessary time off to go to her funeral, production would have been unable to complete the film within the time left and the schedule and the budget. Uh, so he missed her funeral <gasps> to continue making Snowden. Oh my god! Which is kind of how tight mad. was the schedule that he couldn't take like one day or maybe two with a flight off. <laughs> Yeah, uh, well, I mean, they still made it in time to have like an exclusive screaming, uh, screening at San Diego Comic Con. Um, well, there you in, go. In 2016. So, mother, boo, nerds, thumbs up. God. Um, and it just, didn't even make budget. It was a bit of a flop at the cinema. Yeah, yeah. Um, you can tell they probably, I think they probably had some kind of high hope for this to be like this hard hitting, make you think kind of like, almost kind of thriller um yeah when, where joseph gordon levitt speaks like voice voice man and goes like oh turn off your webcam yeah, um, <laughs> yeah. Uh, as he's like that weird scene which felt kind of felt out of nowhere of him and his girlfriend getting down to it and he's just watching the webcam and i was like yeah. i understand what you're doing but this is going on quite long now yeah 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 um, quite weird I was like, that's that's enough of that. Um, yeah, but yeah. Budget forty million, box office thirty seven point three million. Um, but came out September sixteenth. Was number four at the box office. It was behind Bridget Jones' Baby, uh, the Blair Witch remake reboot, and Sully with um, I think the oh, Tom, Tom Hanks, Hanks film yeah. was still at number one. So 
Um, well, look, it probably paid off some of Cage's bone debts, so we've got to be grateful. Oh uh, well, exactly. Um, you know, if nothing else, and this is what I say about some of these, uh, you know, where you don't get the full Cage, where it's a little bit of a stinker. At least he got a payday. At least his <laughs> life is still moving. The world can keep spinning. Exactly. Um, and if nothing else, is that not the most important thing that Cage is still working? <laughs> what a lovely way, I think, to uh, to summarize it. <laughs> it's 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 a lovely, you know, it, you know, watch Snowden. It's all right. Yeah. But Cage is still working, and that's the best thing about yeah. about Heart, this film. Heartwarming. <laughs> Uh, and also Rubik's Cubes what are they all about Um, except for smuggling US data (laughs) Um, so I I suppose then on on sort of that note um, just like Snowden we've gained our freedom because we've come to the end of the episode Um, (laughs) I guess wrapping up you know what what are your sort of wrapping up thoughts on Snowden I would say everybody watch it because as much as it's not the best film you've ever seen, it's going to probably make you reassess your relationship with technology for at least 48 hours until your brain pushes it out for the gratification (laughs) of an Instagram like. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, God, and it feels so good. Oh, it does. Um, Tracing that high. Um, But, yeah, turn turn your webcams off, live in a dark room, and you'll be absolutely fine. You'll You'll be fine. Write your scripts on a computer without internet. <laughs> Cabin in the woods, 1970s. Yes. Um, it was the way life was meant to be lived. <laughs> um, on that note, I think it, that's the pertinent way to uh, wrap up this week's episode. Uh, Alexandra, thank you very much for joining me. Oh, uh, thank for anyone you. Listening, uh, where can we find you on the old socials? I love after after that whole chat about like privacy. I'm like, oh my god, follow me on everything. Um, <laughs> there, you can find me on Twitter at Miss A Haddo, and you can find me at, on Instagram at Alexandra Haddo. Um, and I will be hopefully doing real life gigs when all this is over. So please do come; it'll be fun. <laughs> There's there's only one thing better than an Instagram like, and it's real people, real uh, people giving us worth again. Yes, please, uh, please, please support live comedy, you bastards. Yes, thank um, you. Great, turn turn on your audience right yeah. now. Um, <laughs> look, I'm conspiracy overdrive right now. Leave me alone. Um, but before I say any more and get myself even more cancelled, um, we will wrap up this week's Cage Rage and Nicholas Cage podcast. That's Snowden done. It's in the bags. We got there. We had a time watching it. Um, <laughs> uh, Alexander, thank you again for joining me. Uh, we will see you next week. Same cage time, same cage channel. Uh, but until then, keep on, keep on caging. It's all we have to do. Thank you. Take care and goodbye. <laughs>